0: Good morning. I'm grateful for the chance to spend some time with you this morning and um, to have a little conversation about um, willpower, self-control, and kind of how that whole process works in our lives. Um, I hope that your Christmas uh, celebrations was um, renewing and refreshing and um, that the next week or so may be restful and um, as we still continue in the Christmas holidays, as it were, overall, um, this is a good opportunity to think about the future. Um, New Year's is always a good time to think and reflect and, and have sort of the hopefulness of a restart, of a fresh slate in a fresh year. And um, I want to, today, we want to kind of help frame that a little bit and, um, and tie it into also what we're doing as a... As a um, as an entire church with um, good and beautiful God, but also just um, within our lives. So, I want to start with this quote from James K. Smith. Um, The orientation of the heart happens from bottom up through the formation of our habits of desire. Learning to love God takes practice. So that's one of the formation and foundational ideas that we're going to talk through today. Today is week one of two that's sort of setting up the foundation of which we'll build upon for the next 10 weeks, as the 10 weeks following, as we go through the Good and Beautiful series together. Um, and so, one, but one of those foundational pieces is to recognize that it takes practice to learn to love God, therefore, to love others as well. Um, some of those practices are incredibly simple. For example, it is really hard to love your neighbor if you didn't sleep last night, right? When you haven't slept you get cranky and you have less bandwidth to handle the inconveniences that happen just think about the last time you're in traffic did it bother you or not i bet you can directly correlate your average sleep time for the preceding 4 days to how that traffic affected your emotion so some of them will be very practical let's work on sleeping well this week and see how that and and things like that and some of them will be very much more in the tradition of things we think of of spiritual disciplines like um, solitude and prayer and scripture reading. So I'm very excited to participate in that and together. And so today, a lot of the um, ideas and thoughts are, are coming from um, our our text that we'll go through, which is, you know, Good and Beautiful God by um, James Bryan Smith. But a lot of the things um, today are also inspired by this book by Drew Dick. It's called your future self will thank you, which I just think is a great title. Your future self will thank you for reading this book, which is kind of, but basically secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. And so um, this, I've never read a book with as many quotes from other books that I've read before in it. And so this was just a lot of fun. And um, if you, it's the tagline up top is a guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators. And I definitely fall into that category. So um, if you find yourself using any of those labels, um, I recommend this book to you as well. But um, we'll keep going here. So who has ever set a New Year's resolution? Okay, raise your hand. Who has ever failed to keep a New Year's resolution? Yes. So it seems like there's multiple categories of people. Some who are like, ah, bah humbug to New Year's resolutions. I don't want any part of that. It's all going to fall apart. Anyways, and you kind of get the Popeye mentality, Right? I am what I am. That's all that I am, kind of thing. And um, as much as I love Popeye, and don't care that much for canned spinach, um, there is that. We do see that effect in people. The Popeye standard of like, hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. And I believe that there is more hope for us, regardless of where we fall on the developmental spectrum in life that change is still possible. We can still become more like Christ. We can still become more loving, more kind, um, regardless of what stage of life we are in. Um, So my encouragement for you today is to um, reject the Popeye tendencies and to risk the hope of change in your own life. So some people swear off a new resolution, some people lavish the opportunity for a new start and a hopeful tomorrow. But one of the main things and most common mistakes that we do is we try to do too many changes at once. And that is a recipe for disaster. 95% of resolutions are over and have failed by the end of, the, of January. That's just how it goes. Um, and one of the reasons is that we don't really understand how we operate we think, well, in this year, I'm going to really buckle down and I'm going to make sure that I drink less Coke, is what Greg says every January. And by February, you know, he's going for the refill again. You know, or whatever, whatever that thing may be for you. Um, but the fact is, is it takes time to change our patterns. That we have to practice the act of building new habits in order for change to take place. So, one example... Um, the, I've had a goal for many years um, to, of setting a, of how many books I want to read in a given year. And for the past few years, it's been the same goal. And I increased it by five um, for 2019. So it had been the same for probably about three or four years. And I increased it by five of how many books I wanted to read in the year. Well, this year, not only did I meet that goal, I doubled it. I over doubled it. But here's the thing, and this is kind of the this is kind of the I didn't I wasn't making any difference in my effort to read more books, particularly. I didn't really get more time, I didn't really make more effort, but what has happened is because I've been trying to be deliberate and purposeful, because I I don't know of a better way to be a lifelong learner than reading on a regular basis. And often because I'm a social person, I'm an extrovert, I like to be with people and, and verbally process things. I have like basically four different book groups that I'm in at different times of the year with different people. If a, when a student comes to me and we start to mentor, what I do is I try to think of a best book for that student and then we read it together. So it ends up that I've got things between work and personal life. Some things are fun, some things are educational. But I doubled my goal this year and it wasn't through an, any change of effort. But because I had been working on this for so long, I feel like I've reached a tipping point of it's a habit. It's not willpower or a thing that's driving or something I have to be super conscientious about. It's just integrated into my life, and it comes naturally. Um, I, don't, I don't go on a trip or leave the house without at least one or two books with me. That's just kind of how it's been built into me, because it's been a regular practice. Um, so that's just a good example. But who loves chocolate chip cookies? Okay, yes, they, they are one of the single greatest um, things in the world, I think. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about willpower. We are really bad at estimating the power of our own willpower. A study was done um, recently that I feel like is a great example of how willpower is a finite resource. It's not a matter of gritting your teeth and buckling you down and doing it. It's a finite resource that does run out. So a group of researchers took a, a group of people... And they randomly divided them into two. So there was no great difference between these two groups of people. It was all, you know, controlled and, you know, how research is. Um, and they, they, one by one, took them into a room and they gave them an impossible puzzle to solve. And what they were testing was how long they would work on the puzzle before they quit. There was no solution to this puzzle. One group lasted 20 minutes before they gave up. The other group lasted only eight now, there's no, there's no difference between the two groups. One group's 20 minutes. One was less than half the amount of time with only eight minutes. The only difference between those two groups was while they're in the waiting room, the freshly baked chocolate chip cookies that were sitting there, one group was said, feel free to have a cookie. The other group said, please don't touch the cookies. Can you guess which group lasted eight minutes on the impossible puzzle? It was the ones who had to not touch the cookies. So... Even, so... What this really demonstrates is if you've already exercised willpower to not take that freshly baked chocolate chip cookie sitting in front of you in the waiting room, you just had less capacity. You just gave up sooner, 12 minutes quicker than the group who were able to eat the cookies. I mean, that's a super simple. But it, 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 that is that is the conclusion. Eat more cookies. Thank you. Ezra. That is the only conclusion to come to. But it's it's funny because in some ways it's true is that like with the, with the New Year's resolutions with habit building, you have to pick the right thing that's most important to build on. So, spoiler alert, we need to use our willpower to build our self-control, to build habits that make doing the right thing the natural decision. That's, that's where we're going to get to. So, um, this is one of the things that Drew said in his book, is the key to living a holy life isn't simply to outbattle temptation. At every turn, it's to build righteous patterns into your daily life. It's achieved through habits. Yeah, I agree. That's why we're. That's why I'm preaching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seriously, that'll preach, right? Like that's. This is it. So, so here's here's the formula that we're trying to build in 2020. It's a clear vision. 2020 vision. See, okay. Yeah. See. <laughs> Uh, I I can't take credit for that. I owe that to Dr. Joe Womack. So we use our willpower to build in habits that accentuates our self-control. That is the path towards loving our neighbors as ourself. The The fundamental belief here is that when Jesus said, love your enemy, he meant it. So our objective in the Christian life isn't just to not murder your neighbor. It's also to not wish your neighbor was dead. <laughs> so it's not just the not murdering. It's the heart. I also, wish, I also don't wish you dead. I, I love my neighbor. That's, that's the objective. And that, that isn't achieved through sheer force of will. It's achieved by actual transformation of the heart. That instead of just not doing the wrong thing, you are naturally inclined to do the right thing. And that is not something that willpower alone or self-control alone can do it. It's by using that. It's by forming our habits to naturally get us to that point. So, willpower is a finite resource. It is limited. And it can be depleted. It runs out. This is why when I think about young mothers and parents of young children or (laughs) children of, of older parents... Don't be so hard on yourself. Right now, a lot of the ministry of your life, the way you love, is by taking care of other people. And sometimes that depletes your willpower. Um, Comparison is the thief of joy and also brings you no closer to living life in the Holy Spirit. Do not compare yourself to what other people are doing. They are not living in your life. What's happening in your life is between you and the Holy Spirit and your community to work through. And um, I think sometimes part of that community development, if we were honest about like, oh man, this is really a thing, I think that we'd find our neighbors, our our friends and our community is far more compassionate towards us than judging of us if we are honest with each other in it and as we go through it. So just as some people have different intelligences or different strengths or different athletic abilities sort of naturally ingrained in them, the same thing is con- true with self-control. Some people are naturally wired with higher levels of self-control. Um, it is not an equal playing field. So the thing that's easy for you can be super hard for somebody else. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a level playing field at all. Um, some people are just inclined with this stronger willpower muscle. So, um, but the good news is that it can grow. Just as with um, if you head to the gym tomorrow morning and throw some iron around, you'll be sore the next day, but the next day after that, you're going to be a little bit stronger than you were today because the more you use it, the stronger it gets. So I also want to talk about the what the heck effect. Has anybody ever heard of the what the heck effect? So the idea here is, and this is part of why 95% of New Year's resolutions are over by January, is most resolutions end the day after perfect. Basically, one little slip up. Oh, I, I'll, I'll stick with the Coke example. I drank Coke today because I was eating Mexican food, and Mexican food goes perfectly with Coke. And then I drank Coke, and what the heck, I guess I'm drinking Coke again, you know? Mm-hmm. And give up. But one of the things that's so true is, and that pushes us. It makes you feel bad. We quit. We quit you, after we mess up. We tend to mess up even worse. Oh, I already had chocolate. I might as well eat this whole entire cake too. You know, like it's it's the self fulfilling thing, and you feel bad because you you broke the thing you wanted to said. And the thing that brings you the most comfort the quickest is often the thing you're trying not to do. Right? It's that. It's that shame giving in makes you feel bad. And it's the shame and guilt that leads to a bigger relapse. Um, It's, it's the loss of hope. Like, well, what the heck? I might as well just go ham on this ham. (laughs) So I mentioned the, I mentioned the, uh, the book goal that I had, um, that whatever whatever tipping point I reached this year where it was doubled without any extra effort because I had kind of built in this habit and this pattern, I'd learned over the years that And when I talk to other people about like um, books, um, they often get stuck. Well, I haven't finished that one, so I can't read this one. But they're having a hard time reading that one. One thing I've learned is if I'm reading a book and I don't like it anymore, I set it aside and move on. I may or may not come back to it. But it's, one of the things I've learned is instead of becoming stuck at one point, I just move on to the next, or the thing that's more interesting. Um, now, you may say, well, that's just evidence of your ADHD, and I can't argue that. But the point is, you can't let a single road bump or speed bump stop you. Um, when you hit that what-the-heck wall, don't let imperfection cause you to blow the whole thing up. So the foundation of all of this is self-control. How do we build into our lives the ability to grow our self-control? And what what is self-control? Um, Dallas Willard defines self-control as the steady capacity to direct yourself to accomplish what you have chosen or decided to do and be, even though you don't feel like it. So self-control is to direct yourself to do or be something even when you don't feel like it. The other thing is that it isn't about you. We will always pursue what we're worshiping, loving. And this means we need to rightly order our hearts to pursue Christ-likeness, not worshiping anything other than God. So in some ways, um, it's never a question of if, if you're worshiping, but what it is that has you, what objects have your affection. Is it God? Is it? money? Is it sex? Is it power? What, it, what is the thing that you're pursuing, that you're worshiping, that you're trying to seek? And the question is never, are we being formed? The question is, what are you being shaped in? You're, you're always being formed. And the thing that forms us the most, we often think of, and we love those compelling stories, like Aaron talked about the guy with the crazy breaking his leg and falling down a ravine and, and thriving. We often think of those moments as the things that really shape us and define it. But the fact is, it's the totally mundane averageness of your life that shapes you and forms you the most it is the day to day averageness that shapes us it's those habits that completely form us our hearts when our hearts are ordered after god we will it will lead ourselves to self-control building and push us towards christ and not our own glory because even though we're talking about self-control, it's not about you. It's not being the best you you can be. It's being about the you that God made you to be. It's not about living out all your hopes and dreams and becoming a, you know, a media mogul and an influencer. It's about living for the kingdom of Christ. Willpower alone cannot change you. We have to build our habits using our willpower to build self-control supporting habits. And soul training exercise will lead to habit building from our hearts and then into fertile soil for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what's our hope for growth? As we talked about the last couple of weeks, hope is the active expectation of good based upon the character of God. Which is one thing while I'm super excited about our book is that the whole foundation is learning more about God's character the good and beautiful God. That is what compels us. That's what draws us to hope for change in our lives, hope for change in Christ's kingdom, and hope for change in loving our neighbor. And um, falling in love with the God that Jesus knows is what transformation will really look like. And I'm so excited to participate in that together with you. So um, let's let's think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit here. Galatians 2.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self control against such things, there is no law so I do um, hope that one of your prayers this week is what what is the Holy Spirit calling forward in your life of which, which of these fruits needs to be cultivated in your hearts which, which fruit of of the fruit of the holy spirit um, does God want to make them more of? Today, we're talking specifically about self-control. And I do think that self-control is foundational to all of these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and Those are all things in which you need self-control to live out. But which one do you hope the Holy Spirit works on, uh, cultivates in your life in the coming year? Some people ooze the fruit of the spirit. There's two friends that I think are particularly interesting um, that we'll get to later. But um, <laughs> here's the thing that I think is really important to, rem- to remember. is As we talk about this, as we talk about these soul training exercises, this is a little visual that Sky Jatani drew up. We often think of religion as this heavy burden. Rituals, behavior, morality, sacrifice the the burden of proving that i am worth it to god that i'm good enough that i have earned god's favor because i've done all the right things this is the life of the pharisees this is the life of legalism this is the life of trying to control god through our actions but what christ has brought forward jesus's burden which i just love this visual so much it's love and mercy it's a balloon like you know like it's a thing to participate and i think that is a good example of what we are trying to cultivate in our lives love and mercy from jesus which is not ever so burdensome at all and as we go through the 10 weeks of this we're going to try different things some of them for some of you will just click and you're like this this is going to be part of my life moving forward and for others of you you're going to it's going to be not as easy to practice that soul training exercise well that's okay we're going to try a new one next week so as we go through, the ones that click, my prayer is that you hold on to those. And the ones that don't, that's okay. That's why we're trying things. One of the things that I've found over the last few years is that I, I hear stories of, of, um, of Christians who've lived long, faithful lives that said, well, every day I do this thing. And I have never been able to do the same thing day after day. I find every month or so I have to mix it up and change it a little bit differently again. You're like, well, Greg, that's just your ADHD popping up. But whatever it is, and I I can't argue with that, but whatever it is, I found that that's the way to keep my heart growing towards Christ is by not being totally redundant and building in different exercises in different ways. And that's why I'm so happy to practice, that we're getting it to practice these things together. So some people's lives just exude love and grace. Um, Do you guys recognize who these guys are? who is it? Mr. Rogers and Henry Nowen. Yeah, he's, he's less visual as he wasn't on TV every day. But um, I didn't know they were friends until recently. They were friends. And then I was like, that makes total sense, right? Like, here's a Presbyterian minister and Mr. Rogers who said, kids need to know that someone loves them. And he became Mr. Rogers. And here's a guy whose work and writings have been so influential for decades about knowing love, knowing the love of Christ where you're at. That when I look at that, I feel nothing but affection and calmness, you know? That the calming presence of someone who exudes the love of Christ in their day-to-day lives so sometimes it's really easy to see the love of Christ in people. So Drew defines self-control as the ability to do the right thing even when you do, don't feel like it. And like a muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. Um, one doctor was asked, one researcher was asked, "How would you kill someone's self-control?" And this, and just just to give a context of like what's it what's it look like, and and this is what he said is. Well, I would, I would make sure you only got three hours of sleep last night and that you had a fight with your spouse. That's, you know, that, that's going to deplete all the willpower you have for the day. You're, you're done after that. Which I think provides a good contrast to what we need to put into our lives. Conflict is going to happen. You're, you're getting a fight with your spouse. That's okay. But we need to shape and prepare ourselves. And there's going to be times where you only get three hours of sleep. Babies happen. Injuries happen. Sickness happens. Travel happens. Stuff stuff happens. But if we order our lives towards a way that helps to bring out the fruit of the Spirit, that will help us. Habits are actions which shape, shape us. I love this quote from John R. Burke. Habits eat willpower for breakfast. Habits are no... It's no competition between willpower. Habits went out every time. And that's why we're trying to focus mo- less on just gritting and grinding our teeth and having willpower as building new habits in our lives, which will push us um, to do it better. So one, so one person defines habits in this way. A behavior that starts as a choice and then becomes a nearly unconscious pattern. Starts as a choice. And then becomes a nearly unconscious pattern. Does anybody remember learning how to tie your shoes? Yes. yes. Okay. Was it hard to start with? Yes. Is it still hard sometimes? Yes, for some people. Is it not hard for anybody? If it's not hard, raise your hand. Okay. I'm noticing a significant age gap between those who it's still hard for and not, hard, and those who it's easy for. So that's a good. So when you first start learning to tie your shoes, for those first few years. Jonathan, how many years have you been tying your shoes? Yeah, I don't know either. Nora, how many years for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a year or so, right? And it's still kind of hard. But you can do it. You can do it. But it still takes works. It takes deliberate actions. Okay, those over the age of 10, when was the last time you thought about tying your shoes, really? You don't think about it. You just do it, right? And as a parent of of kids who are learning to tie their shoes, sometimes like, all right, I'm just going to do that for you. You In other words, we're going to move on now. Um, When you first got your, your first day at your new job, you thought a lot about driving there. You thought a lot about the way you went, about the door you went into, where you set your cup down, where you set your bag down. Today, the last day you went to work, you didn't think about driving to work. You just did it. Again, habits... You, the first so that first day even even think about this morning getting dressed you didn't think about how to get dressed you just did it we, it's a habit you learned how to do it you didn't forget to put on pants I think but yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you just you did it and that I think that's such a good example of habits you don't it's not a conscious thing that you're doing it doesn't take willpower for you to learn how to for you to remember to tie your shoes and to put on your pants. It just happened. For most of us, so habits allow us to act without thinking, which is a good thing. Your brain is always trying to turn in repetitive behaviors into a habit, which is why it's so important that we're using our ha- our willpower to build those habits which reinforce the right things. My daughter Nora loves elephants. And so I want to talk about elephants a little bit. Um, there's one researcher, his name is Jonathan Haidt, who uses the example of our decision-making as a rider and an elephant. The elephant is our emotions. So on your, if you are a drawer, now is the time I would encourage you to draw yourself riding an elephant somewhere, on, either on your notes there or um, whatever. Um, so the elephant represents our emotions, and our habitual patterns. The rider is your intellect and your logical decision-making. So this rider on this elephant, who's in control? <laughs> right, it's very obvious. Yes, she is riding the elephant, but she's not controlling the elephant. If if you're walking along on a, and the elephant is thirsty, and the elephant sees water, it's going to go to the water, even if you're saying, no, we're staying on this path. He's going to go get it. The elephant's going to go get a drink of water in the same way. That's how it is with our habits. The habits are our elephants, as it were. And our willpower is the intellect. So again, habits eat willpower for breakfast. So, yeah, don't worry. You're not going to give a, so this is the elephant I drew. I don't know what happened to his trunk, but I figure I'm asking you to draw an elephant. So I drew one too. So there it is. Um, and there's me on the elephant. Sometimes my elephant gets out of control, and that is my that is my holding on while the elephant does this thing picture um, so see i i 'm willing to do what what i'm asking you to do as well, <clears throat> but the fact is, information alone isn't going to change our patterns. Um, we are trying to train our elephants to use heights analogy to naturally go towards. Loving our neighbor that takes time and information alone Ain't going to change nothing because again The writer is the intellect that's where the information goes But you have to use that to then train the elephant to choose the right path on the regular basis When that and and that goes back to the again willpower up being a finite resource first thing in the morning making decisions it's easy to pick the right thing to do, but if you didn't get enough sleep, the elephant's already a little hungry, a little tired, and when food and water, whatever the th- things are that are that are in the way, those are going to happen, and the rider's not going to be able to overpower that. But sometimes Christians think silly things. Have you ever found that to be true, right? Like, there's things that we, we sometimes think corporately that are are just silly. Like, for example... Well, we have the grace of Christ, so we don't need to worry about self-control because Christ's blood covers all. And um, this this is a quote from Dallas Willard. A true saint burns grace like a 747 burns fuel at takeoff. A saint, a disciple of Christ, is one who is absorbing grace and using it on the regular at the rate of over a gallon a second because... We are embodying the Holy Spirit and living a life of Christ. But grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. Earning is an attitude and effort is an action. And some may be saying like, well, but this, this is a lot of me talk, and, but this is the work of Christ in me. Yes. Yes, it is. It's also our action. I believe that the Holy Spirit works step in step with our efforts with our willpower and with our habits to shape and build us. When we think about Christ's work on the cross, that is justification. That is our status as as being adopted children in God's kingdom. When we talk about sanctification, that's that spiritual growth in us of becoming more Christ-like step by step. Sanctification is a hand-in-hand effort of our efforts with God working within us. Justification is done; on the, is, was taken care of and done on the cross. But the whole idea that um, that if you're struggling with this seems a lot about like me and, and like my own life, but that's it's God's work that's in me. Like yes, that's absolutely true. And I want to look at a couple verses um, that talk about that. Um, In uh, Philippians 2.12, there's a section where it's uh, work out your salvation. And so um, I'm going to turn to Philippians 2.12 and read that together. Feel free to join me if you'd like. So, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I love that. In verse 12, it's a direct um, push for you to work out your salvation. But it's not you. It's God who works in you. So in answer to the question, well, who does the sanctification? Who helps to cultivate fruit in your own life? The answer is yes. It, it is your efforts in combination with the holy spirit the farmer who has an orchard plants the tree waters the tree and cultivates the soil for the tree he does not produce the fruit the fruit is a result of the holy spirit's work our job is to cultivate the soil which does take work and that's what this self-control and habit building is all about is having fruitful productive soil So there's no conflict between the human effort and divine empowerment that takes place in our becoming Christ-like. One of the things that Drew says is that discounting our role in sanctification leads to license. Ignoring God's role leads to legalism. Ignoring our role leads to license. Ignoring God's role leads to legalism. We don't want to be in either of those camps. In 2 Peter 1.3... It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for for a godly life through a knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And at first thought, all the pressure of holiness training falls on God's shoulders because God has given us everything we need for a godly life. But then it goes on to say, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control. That's we make every effort because His divine work is at in us, which again brings us back to self control. Add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self control. What we're doing today is not setting New Year's resolutions, but an invitation to grow together. We have to move to. A We have to move past passivity and engage in participation. On January 12th, we'll begin our journey through the Good and Beautiful book series together. And over the next 10 weeks, um, we're going to practice all sorts of things. And I hope that as we practice them, you'll think about how your elephant is being trained, how your habits are being formed. And I would just encourage you to remember that willpower alone can't change much. But if we use that willpower to build new habits, that's where the formation will really, really take place. If you don't have a community group that you're a part of, um, on, um, on our little flyers, handouts each day, each week, um, it lists the different groups and the times that they meet and when they'll meet. Um, they're going to begin again on the 12th. And if you've never been to one, I would just encourage you, which one looks will fit into your schedule? There's one that meets immediately after service. You're already here. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just walk back to the back of the church and join in there. There's some that meet on Sunday night, and there's another one that meets midweek. Um, and also, if the idea, you know, the average, the average American reads less than one book a year. And so if the idea of having to read a book in 10 weeks is intimidating to you, that's no problem. Um, there are different levels of engagement that you can still participate as a congregation, even if you don't read the whole thing together. Um, we're going to, um, I'm looking at read because this is something we're deciding right now. We're going to still have handouts about the soul training exercise. We're going to highlight them each week. Even if you don't aren't reading along through the whole text, you'll still be able to participate in that way. Um, this is a really exciting opportunity. It's something that we'll get to do together. One of the ways to make the most out of our willpower and to build habits is to not be alone, but doing it together with other people. Um, To be able to text someone midweek and say, like, is this working for you? I'm not sure if it's working for me. Or to come together the following week and say, like, oh, wow, that really was a good fit for me. Or, oh, wow, this is hard to fit into my life. I'm not sure if this is going to be a thing I can incorporate on the regular. But that's all part of growing together as a community and as a body of Christ. Join me in prayer. Father, we are grateful that we don't have to stay in the place of Popeye and just be I am that I, I am what I am. Rather we get to rest in the hope that you are who you say you are. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will empower us to seek habits that cause us to love you more. God, I pray that as we enter into this new year, we won't stay on the surface level of resolutions, but that we'll commit to trying, that we'll commit to making a priority, to use our willpower, to build new habits that draw us closer to you. God, and it's not just because we want to live more comfortable lives, it's not because we just want to be happier people, but rather... It's because we care about your kingdom and we want to be more Christ-like in what we say and what we do. God, help us to love you more and therefore to love our neighbors more. In Jesus' name.